our statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And it reads, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covered. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. You may be seated. I'm going to read that 10th verse again. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. This morning's topic is naked and afraid. I believe that everything was created, that everything that was created by God was created to be good. I believe that everything that was created to bring him glory and praise. When I say everything, I mean man and words. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. When it comes to man, in Isaiah the 43rd chapter, verse 7, God makes reference to the children of Israel as the people whom he has created for his glory. And later in verse 21, he references them as the people who has formed for his praise. To me, that means he created us to make his praise glorious. When I read Genesis chapter 1, 
it tells me that God created everything in six days. And at the end of each of the first five days, God sat back and looked at what he had created, and he saw that it was good. On the sixth day of creation, God formed all of the living creatures, and on that day also, he created man. Since we're going to be talking about man this morning, I would like to substitute Adam's name in the place of man. On the sixth day of creation, God formed all of the living creatures, and on that day also, he created Adam. He created Adam in his own image and his own likeness. But at the end of the sixth day, when God looked back over all of his creation, he didn't just say that it was good, like he did after the first five. He said that it was very good. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, that it was because of the creation of Adam that God said it was very good. But in my natural mind, when I try to understand it, I would like to believe that the creation of Adam was the icing on the cake. You know how it is, Sister Lorraine, when you and Brother Melvin walking through the commons, and you see a dress that you like. And you say, Melvin, I like that dress. And he say, Lorraine, go ahead and buy that dress. Then you get that dress and you look at it. And then you say, Melvin, I need some earrings to go with that dress. And Brother Melvin say, okay, Lorraine, go ahead and get you some earrings to go with that dress. And then you look at that dress with the earrings and you like, Melvin, I need a purse and some shoes to go with this dress. Brother Melvin look at it and say, Lorraine, go ahead and get the shoes and the purse to go with that dress. What I'm trying to show you is that, see, you can have that dress, but there just might be something else that you need that tops it all off, that makes it look very good. And I believe that when God created Adam and he looked at everything that he had created, he said it was very good. Everything was laid out for Adam. All he had to do was sit back, take pleasure in all of the comforts that God had created for him to enjoy. Eat some grapes, run all over the garden, enjoy yourself and have fun. Do anything that you want to do except eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you do, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. How many of you know that if you disobey God, if he commanded you to do something, that you have committed a sin? 
how many of you know that it's not good to disobey God at all? When it comes to words, words didn't exist until God created them. We as Christians, the disciples of Jesus, believe that the Holy Bible that we trust in is the inspired word of God. God have to give man the ability to write, to organize, and to understand what it is that he wanted written in his holy book. Everything that God created is good. So that leads me to think that all words in this book are intended to be good or do good. But we all know that man has a tendency to take the pure things that God has established and defile them. For example, the three-letter word that describes a donkey. Now, I, I use the New King James Version of the Bible, and when I read about Samson, it tells me that he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. In the King James Version, they use the three-letter word. Man has taken that word that God has in his holy book and defiled it. If it was surrounded, if I was to surround that three-letter word with a few other words, when used, that word wouldn't sound like it belongs in God's word. Another word is hell. In the book of Matthew, Jesus uses this word multiple times. But if it is put in front of the word no, or if I say, man, you can go too. Depending on the inflection of my voice, it too can be defiled. Now, you got to watch out for technology. About a week and a half ago, I was sending a text message to somebody, and we were discussing something about church. So I wrote, good morning, blah, 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 blah. La-dee-dee, la-dee-da-dee-da. What do you think about that? So the person replied back. And when they replied back, I couldn't do nothing but laugh. Because it, instead of it saying, hello, the O had dropped off. And it just said, hell, faith. Now, I know that this person don't talk like that, so I just kind of laughed at it. And then I wrote back, and I just said, if I knew that you felt like that so strongly, I wouldn't have mentioned it. I text message sometimes when I drive, you know, because technology, you can talk into your telephone. But you must be careful if you do that to check what you send before you hit the send button. I was talking with somebody through text, and they sent me the text back, and it said, did you read what you sent? And I hadn't. Oh, but when I read it, none of those words came out of my mouth. And you know what's so bad about it? When the bad words showed up, they were in the right context. See, you got to be careful. 
This is Satan's world. The prince of the power of the air. Be mindful of what you do. Now, why I'm explaining all of this? Well, I'm explaining it because I'm going to be using a word, and I wanted you to be prepared for it. The word is naked. Naked, naked, naked. If I was to stand before you and tell you that I would like to get naked in front of you, how would you accept it? <laughs> that ain't funny, Pastor. <laughs> Some of you would probably say, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, I did. Some of you would probably cover your eyes. Some of you would probably smile. And some of you will sit on the edge of your seat to listen attentively. It all depends on the frame of mind that you're in. And as a Christian, it should be the latter one that you focus on. This morning, I'm talking about naked, y'all. Naked has many meanings, depending on how it's used. Naked means not covered by clothing. It means uncovered. It means to reveal all or be revealed. Naked suggests the absence of protective or ornamental covering, but it may imply a state of nature of destitution or defenselessness. Naked is used as a descriptor 104 times in the scriptures. Depending on the context, it can indicate innocence, purity, defenselessness, vulnerability, helplessness, humiliation, shame, guilt, punishment, and judgment. And in chapter 3 of Genesis, Adam and Eve experienced them all. To be afraid is to be filled with fear or apprehension. It means to be frightened. It means to be filled with concern or regret over an unwanted situation. And in chapter 3 of Genesis, Adam and Eve experienced them all. This morning I'm going to talk to you about disobeying God and the consequences of it. A consequence is the result of, the after effect of, the backlash of, the outcome of. Let's look at what the Garden of Eden was like before the fall of Adam. The Garden of Eden would have been a climatic paradise that apparently needed no rain because it was watered by a mist coming up from the ground as described in Genesis chapter 2, verse 6. There would be no storms or harmful natural occurrences like we are experiencing all over the world today. Everything about God's creation would have been perfect. After all, he pronounced it very good at the end of the sixth day. What God says is very good is incapable of having any flaws whatsoever. You see, he's a God of perfection. 
Therefore, the world in which Adam and Eve lived would have been the perfect temperature, the perfect humidity, without pests or diseases, and without anything that would detract them from their enjoyment of knowing God in a pure and perfect way. Could this have been what we might call paradise? Adam and Eve lived a life of blissful innocence. They had never sinned. Therefore, they had no idea as to what guilt and shame was. Genesis 2 and 25 says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were truly innocent, so their nudity was sinless and free of shame. This was life as God intended it to be. And no mortal since then has had such a clear heart and a clear conscience. When you have a clear heart, and when you have a clear conscience, that's truly peace. I believe that this is a preview of what awaits the Christians in the future. When I say in the future, I'm talking about when Jesus comes back to get his church. When all of his children are in heaven. And you remember what the old song says, don't you? When all God's children get to heaven. What a time, what a time, what a time. Jesus Christ is the only person who ever lived after the fall of Adam, who was sinless. Everyone else experiences the shame and guilt of being unclean before a holy God. The only way this shame and guilt can be dealt with is by trusting and believing in the good news that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. He died on the cross so that we might be forgiven of the sins that separate us from God. Now let me share something to, with you. My best friend, Freestyle, turned me on to reality shows. I started out listening to him on the radio, and from there I went to glancing at him on television because I saw the name of one of the programs that I used to listen to on the radio. It was the first 48. Seeing that program caused me to scroll down through the TV channels even more. And I started to realize that a lot of the programs that were being shown on TV were mostly reality shows. Meaning that it was not scripted, but this is what's actually happening in real life. It was not written for television, so to speak. After a while, I realized that some of them were being scripted and that television networks were taking advantage of the inquisitiveness of the people. They were putting false reality stuff out there just to make money. You might even call it fake TV. Television is no longer just for trained actors. They are taking advantage of the untrained folks like you and I, and they're starting to show what actually happens in real life. The things that we do and the things that we say, and it's uncut. You know, it's amazing now when you can sit down and 
watch a TV show and you're laughing and joking and, and you're enjoying the program and then all of a sudden a language is said or a word is said that used to not be able to be said on television. It's acceptable now. They are filming and showing our natural reactions to conditions that life presents us so that the viewers are seeing how we really react under certain situations, how we really conduct ourselves under pressure. If your life was being filmed every day, and if it was shown as a reality show, what would the name of your reality show be? Precious Lord, take my hand. Where you lead me, I will follow. I love Jesus. Lord, I need your strength because these people keep on messing with me, and if these church folks come up in my face again, I don't know what I'm going to do. Please help me. What would the title of your reality show be? You see, no longer are they making TV shows like Sanford and Son, Good Times, The Jeffersons, What's Happening, Different Strokes, Benson, Family Matters, Rock, Living Single, and there are many, many more that I could name. These shows are no longer on mainstream TV, but you can see them. You just got to go out there and find them. And nowadays, you probably have to tie a child down to make them watch a program like that. As I continued to scroll down through my television, I found myself glancing at shows like The Great Race. Who does that? Survivor, The Bachelor, Cops, Fear Factor, Deadliest Catch, Alaskan Bush people, Duck Dynasty, and Swamp People. Now, I've watched Swamp People to my homies. And then one day, the title of this particular program caught my eye, and I had to check it out. It was Naked and Afraid. Now, this program brings together two total strangers normally a male and a female, and they are faced with the ultimate survival challenge. That is to survive for 21 days together in some of the most dangerous environments in the world with no supplies and no clothes on. No socks, no shoes, no sandals, no nothing. As soon as they get dropped off in the jungle, the first thing that they do is get naked. They're dropped off in the jungles in various locations in the world, and they're not only working against the land, but against the local wildlife that's looking to prey on them as well. I saw one episode where when they was dropping this man off, just a few yards away was a lion sitting there, looking at him, licking his lips. Naked and afraid. It's not a typical competitive game show like The Price is Right, Let's Make a Deal, or Family Feud. <laughs> there is no grand finale, no grand prize, 
and there's no winner. It's just a show showing how two people act while they're trying to survive 21 days of dealing with the environment that they are in being literally naked. Now, there's a distinction and a distinct difference between the nakedness that takes place on the reality show and the nakedness that was present in the Garden of Eden. On the reality show, these two people meet, and they don't even know each other. They choose to uncover themselves. They choose to be naked and put themselves into situations in which they later become afraid. They choose to deal with the weather, the floods, the snakes, the bugs, the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And many times, they go days without food because they have to catch it, kill it, and prepare whatever type of fish or wildlife they can catch. They choose to find tree limbs and bushes to build makeshift dwellings in order to cover themselves up so they can survive the harsh weather consisting of extreme heat in the daytime, heavy rains at any time, and cold nights all the time. And sometimes the two people don't even get along. They are naked and afraid because they want to be. And just so you know, Pastor, they're going to do a new spinoff. They call this one Naked and Afraid of Love. I wonder what that one's going to be about. The devil is busy, y'all. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did not know that they were naked, and they were not afraid. They realized that they were naked, and they became afraid because of disobedience. God had commanded them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they did. In chapter 3 of Genesis, Satan came in and he tricked Eve, who convinced Adam to disobey God. And in the same manner that he used his subtle ways to sneak up on Eve in the garden, he can do to you too. His game hasn't changed. Maybe a different view or a different sound, but his tool is deception. And it's still as deadly today as it was in the garden. Strive. I know what I'm talking about. Before then, Adam and Eve were covered by God, meaning that they had nothing to worry about, no cares in the world. They were watched over. They were secure, but once they ate of the fruit, when they disobeyed God, sin manifested itself in the garden. Why do I say that? Because sin is based entire, entirely on plain disobedience and rebellion. Now, Satan rebelled against God before the creation. So when he sinned, his sin was against his own person. And his sin caused him to be kicked out of heaven. When Adam and Eve sinned, their sin was disobedience. 
and it happened after the creation. So that is why we have to deal with the sins, because of their sins is why we're dealing with the things that we deal with today. They became aware of their nakedness and they wanted to cover up physically because they felt that something was wrong. They realized that they were revealing themselves. You see, their eyes were opened in such a way that they became aware of their surroundings and they saw things in a different way. The eyes of their minds were open to perceive that they were no longer innocent. And the eyes of their bodies beheld the fact that they were not exactly as they had been. They knew that they were naked, and with this nakedness came understanding. They saw the happiness that they fell from and the misery that they were falling into. They saw a loving God provoked, his grace and his favor forfeited. When their eyes were open, they understood right from wrong. They understood good from evil. You see, no matter what it is, once you get a certain level of understanding, there's no turning back. There may be some things that you wish that you never found out or you wish that you never knew. But once you know, you know. Adam was probably thinking to himself, What's about to happen now? What have I done? What have I gotten myself into? What is this disobedience going to cost me? When you disobey God, there are consequences. The consequences may be seen or known of by others and may not appear to be so dire to them. But to the person who has to go through them, they can be very painful and touch the deepest part of their soul. Striving, I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you may share what you're going through. And then there are times that you don't because of the embarrassment or the judgment that it may bring. Another thing to remember is that disobedience always brings pain and disappointment. The pain is felt by the person who's experienced the consequence. And the disappointment is shown on the faces and displayed by the actions of those who put that person on a pedestal. Strive. I know what I'm talking about. Adam and Eve were embarrassed when they heard God walking through the garden. They hid themselves from his presence. And when he asked Adam where he was, Adam told him that he hid himself because he was ashamed and humiliated. In other words, he was naked and afraid. You see, at that moment, Adam had no choice. He had to tell God, the naked truth. You know that once you commit sin and know it, you don't see things the same way ever again. The good qualities of purity of mind, purity of conduct, and purity of innocence is gone forever. You understand what shame is and you experience a guilt 
like you've never felt before. Sometimes those who are around you see a difference. And they ask you if you are all right. They can see that you're dealing with something, but they can't see the guilt that you're dealing with. Only God can see that. Strive, and I know what I'm talking about. What God has shielded them from, they were now able to see. As long as they did what God wanted them to do, they wouldn't know what sin was. But when they disobeyed, all of a sudden their perspective had been altered. They saw things in a different way. In a twinkling of an eye, life as they knew it had changed. And it can be that way for us too. Because sometimes we can't see everything in the natural. That's why it's important for us to stay close to God. So that he can give us some spiritual discernment. In order for us to see the sinful things that we can't normally see with the naked eye. Because their eyes were open and they had the sudden understanding of right and wrong, they thought that they had hid themselves from God. But in reality, they were not hidden. You can't hide from a God who loves you. You see, God created us. He wired us. He knows our thoughts well before we think them. He knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knew us back before he formed Adam on the sixth day from the dust. So why do you think that he wouldn't know what Adam and Eve were going to do? It's the same with us. He knows the thing that we're going to do well before we do. God has perfect, intimate knowledge of himself and everything actual and possible. He just gave us the free will to make our own decision, whether good or bad. But I'm here to tell you that if you disobey God, there are consequences to pay. Adam and Eve had to pay the consequences. When you have time, read Genesis, the third chapter, verses 16 through 24. And it'll give you a list of them. They're going to sound familiar to you. Because they're the same ones that we deal with. These consequences weren't just for them at that time, but for all mankind forever and ever. When I look at that list, the one that stands out to me the most is that they were banished from the garden. And it wasn't the fact that they were just banished from the garden. The fact was they would be no longer able to bask in the presence of God. I believe that this is when they felt the true nakedness. When they really sensed that they were uncovered. The first time that they knew what insecurity felt like. Because when you don't, because when you know that you're covered by God, there is a sense of protection. Now, all of a sudden, they were vulnerable. 
But Adam and Eve weren't the only ones who had to pay consequences for disobedience. Moses disobeyed God. God told Moses to speak to the rock to bring forth water. Moses struck the rock. His consequence was that he would be able to look over and see it, but he wouldn't be able to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Jonah disobeyed God. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach his word. Jonah caught a ship to go the opposite way. His consequence was to spend three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. Samson disobeyed God. He was a Nazarite to God from the time of his birth. No razor was supposed to touch his But in a moment of tenderness, Delilah caught him naked in two ways. One meaning that he was in a vulnerable state of mind that caused him reveal, to reveal some things that he shouldn't have revealed. In the other way, y'all think about it. His consequence was that the Spirit of God left him. And when it did, so did his magnificent strength. The Philistines were able to come up on him, capture him, and they blinded him in both of his eyes. Strive. I'd like to get naked in front of you. When I was an airman in the Military. I wasn't a perfect airman. I got letters of reprimand. I got an Article 15. I got three Article 15s. <laughs> but see, at that time, in going through those things, I had to pay some consequences. I had to pay some fines, but I knew that once those fines were paid, that, that portion would be over. I got suspended bus, and I knew that after the three months or six months or however length the suspended bus was, <coughs> once that time was over, everything was over. I knew that once I retired from the military, that I never had to worry about those things again. But the consequence was, you see, after I decided to do right, after I decided that I wanted to conform to what they wanted me to do, when it was time for my records to go before the board, there were two stacks. There's a stack that people look at or that the, 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 the board members look at to consider, and then there's the stack that's going to go in this big bag and probably go into the trash. And guess where mine went? But I paid those consequences because, see, I decided that I wanted to do better. But it was too late. 
God told me to do something. And I didn't do it. God told me not to do something. But I did it anyway. I stand before you right now to let you know that I'm not going to tell you what it was because that's not important. I know they're on the edge, Pastor. What I did is not important. What I didn't do is not important. That's between me and God. What you need to understand is I have to pay these consequences, and I'm living with these consequences every day. And just like with the military, see, once time was done, that was done. But God controls time, so I have no idea if he will ever release me from these consequences. So I got to deal with them every day. This is not something that you want to deal with. I'm trying to show you that no matter who you are, no matter where you sit, if you disobey God, there are consequences. Now, what I want you to do is read verse 21. I'll read it for you. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Although they were banished from the Garden of Eden, God didn't send them out into the jungle of life unclothed. He covered them just like he covers us. He covered them with tunics of skin. He covers us with the blood of Jesus. If Genesis 3 was not in the Bible, there would be no Bible as we know it. Why? Because the rest of the written scripture supports the sad consequences of Adam's sin and explains what God in his grace has done to rescue us. The record as written in Genesis 3 is not a myth. If the fall of man didn't actually occur, then the Christian faith is built on fables and not facts. And Jesus Christ suffered needlessly on the cross. You see, from Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, the Bible records the conflict between God and Satan, sin and righteousness, and pleads with sinners to repent and trust God. I thank God for his grace and mercy. And most of all, I thank him for his son, Jesus Christ. Sisters and brothers, my prayer for you is that you never 
be naked and afraid. All hearts bowed and all eyes closed. I have three appeals. The first appeal is for salvation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're in the sanctuary or online, now is the time for you to give your life to Jesus. You don't want to be caught naked. You don't want to be caught uncovered. If there is anyone that would like to give their life to Jesus, please raise your hand. If there is anyone online, if you would call 850-862-3899, somebody will answer the telephone, talk with you, let you know about the love of Jesus, pray the prayer of salvation with you. If you'd like a church home, if you're here visiting with us, and if you have no church home, pastor will welcome you here to Striving for Perfection Ministry with open arms. This is a teaching ministry where the word of God is taught. I see no hand. Again, online, if you need a church home, if you would like to join with us, Phone number is 850-862-3899. Or if you're online, if you ever visit the Fort Walton Beach area, stop by. We're on 24 Bast Avenue. Come in and visit and worship with us. Now it's prayer time. If you have a prayer request, lift it up to God. He's here to listen to you. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, God, the mission is complete. I've done what it is that you told me to do. God, I pray that this message did not fall on deaf ears, oh Lord. God, I pray that they heard and understand how important obedience to you is, oh Lord. So right now, God, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done. Lord, I lift myself up to you. Asking you for forgiveness. I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.